This is Jasmine with Listen to Your Single Friend. We're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the lonely. friends, this is your host, Jasmine Caress. Welcome back to the award-winning podcast. <laughs> I am still on such a high about winning Best New Podcast, um, and I'm just not going to stop talking about it, so whatever. Um, I took a few weeks off the show. Um, we are spending the show, as you're going to hear about in a few minutes, um, and I just needed a little bit of administrative time, but we are back with our next episode, and We're back with a vengeance. I am so excited about this episode and I'm probably going to keep talking about it. Um, But not only the topic, y'all, we are in the presence of greatness. (laughs) Danielle with Unfit Christian is our guest host on Listen to Your Single Friend this week. And all I'm going to say is, if you know, you know, and if you don't know, you're about to find out. (laughs) Hey, Danielle. Hi, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, Saints, Aints, and those that are in between. <laughs> I am so excited to have you here, girl. Oh my God. I, I'm gonna keep saying it, but I'm like standing and y'all are gonna, if you don't know, you're about to find out, but y'all are gonna see why I keep like getting so excited about this. So this week we are gonna be talking about purity culture. I actually teased this topic on episode 15, um, where I talked about Paige and Chris for married at first sight, <laughs> which was a mess. Um, but a lot of you guys reached out to me and was like, I need you to do a full episode about this. So here we are. We're going to get to know our guest, Danielle, in a few moments. But first, let's keep the conversation going on Instagram and Facebook. Listen to your single friend. Twitter is your single F-R-N-D. Make sure to tune into our accounts on Fridays for Screenshot Friday. Danielle, Screenshot Friday is basically where people send me DMs, dating app messages, their inbox, where it's just some shenanigans. And basically, we just talk shit and just go in. Like, Screenshot Friday is crazy. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's 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 shenanigans. You know, I try to throw in a little razzle dazzle and give like some cute stuff, like guys saying, "Hey, I'll mow your lawn for you this week." But for the most part, it just be bullshit. Because and we be having fun. Yeah, we be having fun. Um, also, I'm uploading these episodes, the audio version, to YouTube. So please check me out over there. The website for more information is listen to your single friend dot com. I have been off for two weeks, so I got some church announcements. Bear with me, Danielle. <laughs> I got a few things to go over. Um, we do have a private Facebook group, which has, which is at about 80 people right now. Um, it's a safe space just to talk or complain about dating. I share some of my own dating stories, um, stuff that you may not have heard on this show yet, or just, you know, the day-to-day dating crap that we come up with across from the internet. Um, I just love having a smaller community. The Instagram account is big, but it's crazy. So this little smart community, I get to really connect with you guys kind of one-on-one. So just search the name of the show. It should pop right up on Facebook or just send me a DM to join the group so you can hang out with us over there. Also, this is not a drill. I am on Patreon. So (laughs) if you follow any other podcast, you know what Patreon is. For those of you who don't, Patreon is a subscription platform where you pay a small amount a month 
In return, you get exclusive content specifically from Listen to Your Single Friend. So it serves two purposes. It helps support the show financially. So I can give you guys great audio, great video, even better content. Um, and more so, you get content from me. So this is exclusive to patrons. Um, you'll be getting one-on-one detailed advice strictly from me. Um, I do have three tiers. The lowest level is $3 a month. That's it. $3 a month for the lowest level. You can find $3 of loose change in your wallet right now. Right, Danielle? <laughs> so that is called the homies tier. This is for those of you who simply want to support me and just love the show. The next tier is Close Friends, which is $7 a month and lets you get access to my new spinoff show. You heard that right. Listen to your single friend has a brand new show and it's called The Lover's Lounge. Mm. <laughs> you can only get access to this show as a Patreon subscriber in the Lover's Lounge. I'm offering my thoughts and opinions on popular dating shows like Married at First Sight, Love Island, The Bachelorette, etc. First show I'm covering is Ready to Love DC. It just started two weeks ago. Already fucking shenanigans. <laughs> Danielle's like, oh my God. <laughs> the cast for shenanigans. I can't even imagine the episodes when I saw the flyer. I said, no God. I've only been to DMV for a few months. I'm an Atlanta native and been to DMV for a few months. And I know that there are better offerings than what I saw. On- I <laughs> Listen, so we get into all of that on the Lover's Lounge, okay? Because I too am here in the DMV. I already released the first episode for free just because I love you guys so much. But there are two more episodes up now and one on the way. One of the episodes that is out right now has exclusive tea on the cast. Because I am local to the show, I know people who actually know the cast. <laughs> yes, girl. You know, Don't want to miss it is some tea. It's some tea. It's some shenanigans. And it's so fun watching things play out on the show, knowing what I already know. Mm. Mm. So y'all need to go ahead and get access to that tea episode and the rest of the season of the Lover's Lounge as soon as you subscribe. Finally, there is the best friend tier for $12 a month. You get access to the spinoff show. Plus, we can communicate regularly, as I mentioned before, with the show getting bigger. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with your awesome messages and dating lies. I be all up in the business, but I really want us to stay connected. And I just want you guys to win at dating. So in this tier, you can send me the messages you have from your boo that you need help deciphering. I will help you craft out responses to these messages messages when you're not sure how to respond. We went over a lot of these typical dating questions in the last two episodes, but sometimes when you're on the spot with a new boo that you like, it's hard to figure out exactly what to say. Um, I'm also going to do dating app profile consults. Y'all send me y'all dating app profiles all the time, and I be having to get y'all together. So we're going to do that. We're going to make sure the hotties are swapping right on you, and we're going to make sure you're presenting your best self in the dating world, because that's what besties are for. (laughs) So go ahead uh, to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash listen to your single friend and become a patron now. Now we're going to go and throw back to trivia from last week. Danielle, we're going to let you take a stab at this trivia. I'm going to say it and give you the multiple choice um, okay. answers. And All then right. you have to guess. And then I'm going to tell you if you're right or not. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. 
four out of 10 blank dating relationships result in marriage? Is it A, college, B, workplace, C, church, or D, bar slash club? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Let me give y'all my logical thought process. Okay. First of all, I know it ain't church because niggas at church ain't shit. So we're going to eliminate that immediately. Cool. Cool. I like this logic. <laughs> Sorry. I love churches. Church. But you know, the, between the musicians and the preachers and like the deacons, like we just. Girl, I don't even want to talk about the musicians. Okay. Let's talk about it. <laughs> As was understood that need to be explained. Yep. <laughs> was uh, bars, clubs, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I would believe four out of ten of those happen. I, I don't know. I, I do think some of those lead to, like, permanent relationships, but I ain't sure. Okay. Um, and then, like, it was college, and then what was B? It was college and workplace. You eliminated church and the bar slash club. <laughs> I want to go with, with college, actually. Okay. Workplace is good for getting, you know, a little work husband, work wife, maybe a little sneak and freak. I used to work in corporate and I could tell you the places that people used to sneak and freak and we used to have like by my old campus, there was like a few hotels. Ooh. Folks, you know, actually took the, the courtesy of going to the hotel. Other Ooh. folks parking day and act like you couldn't see them, but you could see them. So <laughs> Ooh, not in the what? <laughs> Listen. They are not even trying to be a sneaky link at that point. Not sneaky linking, okay? And it's like, hey, we know at least a couple of y'all are married, but you know what? That's not my deal, mm, girl. I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote college. That's gonna, that's my final answer, Regis. <laughs> okay, got it. You don't want to phone a friend? We locking it in. <laughs> I'm locking it in. Okay. You were very close, but no. <laughs> it was workplace. I just knew you were about to get it right. <laughs> your logic was so good like you were like nope I know it's not this one I was with you I was hoping the church was gonna throw you off but you know what I know and you know that wasn't a fucking answer (laughs) just saying no it's workplace which just from the employer that I had previously I was at that company for almost 10 years there were a lot of people that met there that were married. So just in my personal experience, I have seen that. Now, this ain't about healthiness of marriage and all of that. But <laughs> you're right, because like you spend eight hours a day there at least, you yes. know, a full time job. And so like you, I worked for a very large telecom company. And so mm-hmm. it's a very large campus, about 8,000 people on campus. Oh, my God. At the time, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you go to the cafeteria. Yeah. You know, Somebody, and in my case, I worked at HR, so I can see how much they made. And me, <laughs> sneaky, sneaky, huh? <laughs> in the future, I will note not to date a man in HR. No, right? So, right. Now that I think about it, like at a previous workplace, not my last one, but at a previous one, there was a couple that turned like sneakily to marriage so i guess yeah it'd be happening and that's not to say it don't happen at these other spots but it definitely be happening at work i personally stay away from work romances um but the answer did make sense like you just said that's what i was my response you do spend more time with your work family than you do at home during a five-day week so it's really easy to get to know people at the job you know i do want to do a future episode on like 
workplace romances because for women you do have to be careful with the workplace politics and then if things just don't work out i mean you gotta work with your ex and that's trash just so we're uh, gonna talk about that another day <laughs> i don't know about you know getting a little thing thing if you got a big campus like yours eight thousand people and you work on the other side of t- that's different you know it ain't though because like you still got to see that person. You met him. You go see him in the lunchroom. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that. I, see that? I say I just can't. I just cannot. <laughs> I think workplace romances is shit where you eat. And I do too. And work for me because I'm like you in that sense of like, it don't work out. I got to see this fool again. Yep. Um, and I ain't really with that, but I can see how it works because even at, like I said, besides the sneaky leaks that were happening at my last you know, workplace, there was actually like a lot of healthy couples that got together. Then they're like, you know, husband and wives that came into the company together um, and worked in separate areas. So like I can see how it works is what you mm-hmm. But then like not only the breakup, girl, think about like, I ain't gonna lie, like I would love my spouse, partner, significant other, whatever, but like you gotta see them all day, every day. <laughs> like you know, I mean, if you're married, in theory, yes, but most people, both partners are working full time. So no, you do not have to be with them. And I said this before, I wanna talk to some pandemic couples. I wanna talk to couples who met, I wanna talk to couples who were already together prior to the pandemic because i feel like there's a distinction i know people who are very happy and met during the pandemic but you kind of created this coupleship in this little special type of world we're in right now i want to talk to those who was together before the pandemic how did you deal with being with your partner all fucking day please let us single people know because it was in that moment i was like you know what maybe being single isn't so bad (laughs) maybe just maybe but that is your answer. The answer is B, workplace romances turn into marriage four times out of 10. We learned something new. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to get to know our guest. And yeah, we're going to do something fun first. And then we're going to give her a chance to talk to us. So first, we're going to do the hot seat game. If you listen to the show, you already know how we do. It's a drinking game. Me and my friends used to play. (laughs) Basically, you put someone in the hot seat, put the timer on for 60 seconds, and just rapid fire questions to them. I don't have no wine in the house. I don't think Danielle's drinking right now. So we playing this sober, which is fine because we always do. So, (laughs) um, But what we're going to do is start a timer. And Danielle, I'm just going to wrap fire some questions to you and you just answer and we're just gonna go okay first okay All okay right. you ready because i'm about to throw them at you okay <laughs> all right here we go what was your last tv show binge uh them i'm watching it right now on amazon Prime. okay what temperature should the thermostat be at Area, it needs to be between 68 and 72. Nothing more, nothing less. That's it. Oh, okay. What is your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> um, Saving All My Love for You, Whitney Houston, singing about being a side chick, but making it sound beautiful. Okay. <laughs> what is your zodiac sign? I am a Gemini Sun, Sagittarius, Uprising, and a Capricorn Moon. You better know. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather have power or respect? First you get the money, <laughs> then you get the power, then you get the money. <laughs> what? I'd rather have respect. Okay. <laughs> what black squid game do you know you'd win? 
States. Okay. <laughs> okay. I knew you was going to say that. <laughs> Hey, All right. hey, hey. That's your time. That's your time. Every black people is like, how'd you get it? Says I would not. I'm I'm one of those that's like, I'ma sit here next to my friend or my boo and I'ma cheer you on because the folks be getting crazy with the spades. I just can't keep up. <laughs> all righty. And not saving all my love. Paul Whitney, you know what? It was hey. a real y'all know. I mean, I'm saying it took me a little while to realize that she was thinking about being a paramour. And I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute, girl. <laughs> that this is why we got to start examining lyrics. <laughs> okay, sidebar. But I have similar commentary coming on my wedding business side about songs playing at weddings. Like, Marry You by Bruno Mars. Yeah, it's a beautiful about- night. We're looking for something dumb to do. Excuse that's me? Right up there. That's right up there with Jagged Edge. Let's yep. get married. We ain't getting no younger girl. We might as well. Do- I will stab you. <laughs> Excuse me? Sir, I'm not just something to do. No. We looking for yeah. something dumb to do, though, Danielle. It's a beautiful night. What? We ain't getting no younger. Might as well. Jail. 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 <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> yes, let's do better with these lyrics, okay? Um, all right, Danielle, thanks for playing. We just wanted to get a little bit of chance to know some fun things about you, but go ahead and give us the spill. Tell us who you are, where you're from, your relationship facts, and what you do. Ooh, okay, so this is exciting. So, hi, everybody. My name is D. Danielle Thomas. I am the founder, digital pastor of Unfit Christian, which is a digital platform which challenges our experiences of God at the intersection of race gender, sexuality. Um, So what I do in a nutshell is when folks um, just have had enough of white Jesus and they're considering atheism, they come find me so that I can give them a whole new faith that actually takes into account all of who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was born and raised um, in the church. My father was a preacher, so I am a PK. Um, My dad was Baptist. My mother was Church of God in Christ, um, Pentecostal. So I am definitely Baptistogic. Um, okay. <laughs> my church history. Um, I no longer, I am unchurched now, so I do not uh, tend to attend uh, religious services regularly, but still very churchy, which means yes. like, I will shout in your face. And I still love to have me a good little praise break. Okay. So yes. that's definitely. Um, so I have been uh, working with Unfit Christian since 2016, um, which I launched in April, a few months after my dad's passing, kind of just as a way for me to process grief mm-hmm. and also process our relationship to the faith. So I was born in Tallahassee, raised in Atlanta, and am currently maturing here in the DMV. Mm-hmm. Um, on the M side of the DMV, I am in Maryland, and it has been such an adventure just kind of experiencing things here that I have not experienced elsewhere. Um, like fall. <laughs> I'm actually getting to experience a real fall. Okay. So, have you seen snow? I have seen snow, okay. but not snow. So like, I'm already like, when it snows here, I've got to go get my bread and my milk because I don't know how y'all out here operating in real snow. <laughs> I'm from Michigan. I can say they operate very poorly in the DMV. One inch of snow, whole city shuts down, which is funny as hell for me, 
But I'm just like, guys, it's one, but they're just not prepared. So, you know, it is what it is, but it's so funny. That's me being from Atlanta. It's like, we shut down for a quarter to snow. It's like, yep. it's, it's done. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that's that. Relationship-wise. So I actually just celebrated last week. Three years single. Yes, celebrated. Okay. While I to have that anniversary again, I would like to be partnered, but I, I did celebrate three years single. Um, I broke up with my ex in October 2003. Mm-hmm. And I am, um, I did a lot of healing, a lot of growing, and a okay. lot of and now, like, I'm hoping this is my last single anniversary, okay. but if it's not, I'll still celebrate it again. So, yeah. You changed in the course of the show. Now I got to start asking people about their single <laughs> celebrations. Dang, yeah. that was good. <laughs> we, we spend so much time, like, mourning our singleness because mm. we have ideations around where we should be relationship-wise, you know, what it means to be in a significant relationship. Um, but for me, like, being single was a, a time for me to rebuild because the woman I was in that relationship, I left her there. When I broke up with my ex, I left that woman there so I had to figure out who I was. Mm. And I don't think I did that as well in a relationship. I probably could have done it in one, but not yeah. as well as have now okay. because be accountable for somebody else's feelings. Yeah. So all growth that I have done, that is worth celebrating to me. And I think we ought to spend more time celebrating our milestones. Instead yes. of- I love that. Dang. That was really good. Celebrating. It's a milestone, girl. I mean, <laughs> if you wanted to take my show over, you could have said that before we started. <laughs> Right again. No. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> that was really good. I want to talk a little bit more about Unfit Christian, though. I found my way. Okay. I she passed to Danny in the Facebook group, but I found my way to Danielle in Unfit Christian Congregation, which is the name of her huge ass Facebook group. I mean, it's major. Um <laughs> because I want to say it was. The article, which we will talk about later in this episode, there was a very big article that she put out, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but I think I may have discovered it before then. And this was several years ago, um, around 2016, 2017. So I'd like to say that I was an inaugural member. Probably not, but <laughs> I've been in there for a few years. Um and it's just a great, you know, experience. I grew up Kojic. I definitely, you know, had some concerns about some of the things happening in the Christian world, specifically around sexuality and around, you know, this purity culture that we're about to get into in today's discussion. And um, the congregation, like, it's just so awesome. There are pastors in there. There are people that are in, you know, you know, all the times like theology school and stuff like that. Like there are, you know, people who are in it. And then there's also atheists. And then there's also people just questioning. And it's it's, it's a safe space. And don't come in there acting a damn fool because they will drag you to hell and back. We'll act right back up with you. <laughs> they will drag you. Come in there talking some nonsense if you want to. <laughs> but... I will say it, it is just I, you know, like it was interesting that you said you haven't been to, you know, like a church church, you know what I mean? But like 
The congregation feels like that. It feels like a form of ministry and it feels like I'm involved in. And a lot of people have that same description about the group. Um, it's just a really, really good space and platform. So I love it. And I just love being there. And I love the things that I've learned. They will absolutely challenge you, you know, and it's not in a, you know, you know how we do with church. They'll challenge you with love. <laughs> um <laughs> But I don't know. I just I discovered Danielle then and I love the group. Um, she's also a phenomenal writer. I just got my first paid freelancing gig that I will be announcing later. Um, but I also look up to her. Thank you. <laughs> I look up to her as a writer, too, because you're on. Don't let me lie. Are you with Madam Nowhere? Who are you writing with right now? So I actually just had a feature drop from Madame Noir. Mm-hmm. I actually do have a problem with them that I haven't written on in a while because it just my life has been interesting. Uh, okay. <laughs> I primarily, um, when I freelance, it's just kind of like, who can I pitch to that I think this is going to be well with? But right. That's where my comment is, Madame Noir. You were right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. So, but like, even on her own blog, which is unfitchristian.com. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay. Even on her own blog, like really good stuff. Like I said, we got an article. We're going to talk about that later on in episode, but she's just a really, really good writer. So just from a platform level, from a boss babe level, from a writing level, writing is my first love, you know, like I'm listening to your single friend is a book that I am still writing. Um, but <laughs> I pour so much into like Danielle's articles because she really is just that good. And as you're going to hear throughout this episode, she really has a powerful grip on words and language and just speaking to people and getting people to understand understand um, different contexts and subjects. So if you catch me standing, which I've already started to do, it's just because she's that girl. Like, I am so excited about this episode. It's such a joy! (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited. Uh, But let's go ahead and start the show. All right, guys, now it's time for the quote of the day. I'm always going to start you guys off with some positive vibes. The quote of the day this week is, be the kind of energy that no matter where you go, you will always add value to those around you. I really like this. Like, it made me think of like, you've ever met someone like briefly just for a couple minutes and you're just like, wow, that person like is just really amazing. And they give off really good vibes and energy. Like, I love interacting and connecting with people, especially in dating. We have a tendency to like, you know, commit to an end goal and wanting it to be a marriage and a relationship. But sometimes it's just good vibes and it may not go past the second date, but it's, it's just good vibes and it's good energy. So, you know, when I'm going out as I present myself, even in non-romantic situations, just presenting myself and reminding myself to show up in that kind of way that makes people feel something. All right, guys, now it's time for Goals and Goofies. This is the pop culture segment where we talk about all the shenanigans in the world and on the internet. Um, with goals this week, I'm not actually sure if this is goals or not. Um, Danielle, we gonna have a little bit of a discussion about this because um, I'm a little bit undecided, <laughs> but I have some thoughts on this. So I'm not going to call this goals or goofies just yet. I'm, we're just going to talk about it. So Chloe Bailey, which is one of the two of Chloe and Hallie. Hallie? 
Yes, Hallie. Mm-hmm. I always be saying Hallie like white girl, like, but it's Hallie like Hallie Bear. So <laughs> Chloe, one or two of the sisters, um, Chloe and Hallie, who absolutely love. Chloe just started her solo career, which has had all kinds of shenanigans about her booty cheeks, <laughs> which we don't care about. We're not going to get into today. But uh, Chloe is super awesome. I really love her and her sister's music. And um, Chloe recently had an article come out about her. Um, and I guess she had done an interview. And of course, went viral on Twitter because niggas. Um, Chloe was like, the headline actually, I'll read the headline. So the headline was, Chloe Bailey reveals she doesn't like when a guy answers every time she calls. In quotations, it says, I want to be left wondering what you're doing. The quote, the this was um, screenshot and posted on Twitter by a guy and he captioned it, Women getting weirder and weirder out here. <laughs> so that is Chloe's initial comments. I'll follow up with what she said. But when I read the initial comments, uh, when I read the headline, let me put it that way. I was just like, I mean, I get what she's trying to say. You know what I mean? And Chloe is, what, 24? You know, I, I get what she's trying to say. She doesn't want somebody that's that's too available. Um, knowing myself and how I like to date, uh, answer my phone calls <laughs> or text me and tell me why you're not answering or, you know what I mean? Not like I'm not a needy person, but it's just like, I know how I like to date and I advocate for myself a lot, particularly when it comes to communication. Just in the last two months, two guys that I was dating, it, it was the same situation. Hey, I like to be communicated with the on this level. You can't go three, four, five days without talking to me. Like that's you know that's not a thing that we're going to do. Um, so I am very much a stickler for how I like to be communicated with. And if you don't want to communicate with that with me like that, that's fine. I'll find somebody else that will. Um, so I can't really get mad about people's preferred styles of communication. Um, but I feel like this is just a headline and I feel like naturally it got sensationalized and oh boy, women just being weird. I just feel like some men have a natural inclination to read certain things as negative. I didn't read it that way. But just hearing the headline, Danielle, what do you think about her little quote here about I want to be left wondering what you're doing? <laughs> hearing the headline, I think Chloe just turned 22 or 23. Okay. Um, she is young. <laughs> I like you. I get where she's going, and the hesitancy comes from the reality that it's still a poor communication of how you want to be communicated with. Because if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile, right? So, okay, almost sounds like I I don't want you to communicate with me regularly. But I do, but I don't. Like, you know, it's it's not clear. She's not making a clear, hey, um, I am, because what I'm assuming is, hey, I'm a busy person. So I'm not going to constantly be able to sit here and text you back and forth and respond within a certain period of time. I need you to be okay and to know and be secure that it's not a reflection of my feelings for you, but okay. rather a reflection of my, you know, place in life and what's happening in my life right now. Mm-hmm. I know some comments recently because you know people are constantly questioning her dating life yeah she was like courtside with another entertainer yeah for her on instagram yeah um, and so people are like oh 
are they together? Are they not? And I believe she was made the comment that like music is her partner right now. Music is faithful to her. She goes home to music. Like all of those <laughs> things. I get where she's coming from in the sense of like, you cannot expect me to be like, you know, maybe a less busy person. Right. So I don't have time to give you that. However, what I hear is you can treat me inconsistently and I will be attracted to that. Right. Leave, leave me wondering what you're doing. It's almost like an invitation to a fuckboy. And see, I was yeah, yeah. To set it up, you know, real nice before we got here. But this is what it feels like to me. It's like yes. it's invitation to be a fuckboy. Yep. My feelings and with communicating with me. Yep. And so I just wish that she would have better framing. And my hope is that when she's talking to people that she's actually interested in dating, that she has the tools um, and the necessary conversations to say, yeah. you know, this is kind of communication I need. And imagine a guy wanting to date Chloe right now. And you read that. Imagine him wanting to date her and he read that. He's going to be like, oh, don't answer the phone calls? Cool. Hell yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy looking at you call because you said you don't like me call answering all the time. Hey, correct. I'm trying to match your energy. I'm trying to match your expectations. And that's why I started that with, I'm real big on what I expect. You know what I mean? And if you put something like this out here, you you got to be real careful because the niggas will nig. will nig. They will. And, and, and a guy who may have good intentions might read this and be like, okay, I don't want to seem too available, but I do want to hear from Chloe fucking Bailey when she calls. But she said that she don't like that. So there's this, uh, there's just this big thing in the early dating stage about not coming off too thirsty or not seeming like you like the person too much. And I feel like the beginning stages are so hard because everybody's overthinking. I don't want to do too much or be, you know, not be who that person likes. And it just, it be giving real ghetto. Like, I'm just like, guys, come on. Like, you don't want to give that kind of messaging out there. Um, let me read her response. Okay. So after this went viral, <laughs> Chloe was like, crying emoji. I meant if someone is really on their grind, working hard on themselves, they won't always be available because I'm not. Of course, I want you to answer my calls and respond and be all up under me. And then she posts her sign. She is a true blue cancer. Always fucking crying. I love me some Chloe, but I don't want to see another tear unless she win a Grammy or something. Like, that girl is always crying. But but if you know cancer, if if you know cancers, you know. (laughs) So she was like, of course, I want you to answer my calls, respond and be all up under me. But it's also sexy to know someone is working towards something great and is busy, too. That's cool, Chloe. And I agree. But my sentiment still stands. Um, I like a man that's busy and working, but I also know, okay, between eight to five, he's working. So no, you may not answer my call if I call between eight to five because you're at work. If you answer my call while I call you at work, that's cool. You know what I mean? But it's like, we're going to have that type of situation where I know what's going on. Oh you, I was going to say, like, to me, even with that, like, yeah. as an entrepreneur, you're busy as, as an entrepreneur, as a podcaster, as a writer, as an audience, yeah. right? So like, I can text somebody and say, hey, you know, I have a meeting right now between, you know, this time and this time, but I was yeah. thinking about you and like, I just want you to know, like, this is why my time block is what it is. Yeah. There are still ways to communicate yeah. interest and investment, even with busyness. Yep. So like, you get to that point where you're just like, well, you know, when the way she's explaining it, that's why I said you have to have proper communication with those because 
if you just put it out there half-assed like the headline is, then you are inviting people to treat you in a way that that's not actually what you want. Exactly. Be busy and still communicate well. Being busy is not an excuse for poor communication. It's just not. Okay. If it matters, then you're going to do your due diligence to communicate in a way that says, you matter, I'm busy, you matter. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to make that kind of space for that person as it becomes available. But even to your point, like, I am fucking busy all the time. And other than recording an episode, you know, if I'm writing, if I'm doing my other business, whatever... I want you to call me. You know what I mean? And I want, and if I'm calling you, I may have been working on two hours worth of writing and I may have just called you just for five minutes to say, hey, oh, I've been working so hard. I just need a little ba- brain break. What are you up to? Share some funnies. Give me some good spirit and energy. Let me get back to my grizzly. Period. Like, answer my fucking call, okay? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Answer my calls, but we love Chloe. I I guess the goal here is advocating for yourself. That particular headline. I mean, she cleaned it up, so I get what she was saying. I just think she's not at the point where she really has the words to really express what she meant, and she's still young. So you know, in a couple years, she's gonna get it, and she's she's gonna be able to say with more clarity what exactly she was trying to spell out. So I won't even call that goes or goofies. I'll just say Chloe's navigating life. So I have so much love for that baby because I just want to protect her so much. Me too. I feel like she's trying so hard to self-integrate. And hmm. I get so frustrated when people are, you know, they have so much criticism for her. Mm-hmm. She's 22, 23. I'm going to say yeah. she's And mm-hmm. she is navigating her young adulthood in the spotlight like most of us had a chance to self-integrate apart and away from like you know having millions of people literally watch your every move every time you right and comment on it and and they comment on it and so like when people are like oh she's forcing it she's forcing her sexuality i'm like is she or is she really trying to navigate and figure out how to self-integrate because if you pay attention she has this very you know sensual deeply in tune with her divine feminine presentation as a performer mm-hmm. I watched her as just chloe when she is you know have just posting or she's on live with hat with hallie or you know i noticed that she even after her shoot or have mercy where like you know she's giving these very provocative moves when you see her on set and you see behind the scenes photos she's covered up when she's I- very chill it, and actually, Chloe's a nerd. I'm a stand, so I know this. Chloe's very much a nerd. Like, she just... <laughs> Introverted, you know. I think yes. Like, ambivert, you know, for performance. But, like, you can tell she's a deep introvert. Like, she's... Yeah. And so, I just... I want to protect her because I feel like her journey is a worthy one. And if people would stop picking on her so much, they can maybe learn something. Because a lot of times, folks are projecting their bullshit onto Chloe. Oh, Absolutely bullshit onto Cardi, the way people projected their bullshit onto insert artists here, right? Oh, absolutely. And so you have this young girl who is willing to say it looks messy, but I'm trying anyway. Yeah. First, but I'm figuring it out anyway. So I don't, yeah, I don't know if we could call it goals or goofy, but we could definitely say Chloe's just figuring life out. Chloe, that, we had a new part to goals and goofies. Chloe just figuring shit out. <laughs> but my thing is, I do want Chloe to stop 
And this is a part of that navigation, but I do want her to stop apologizing and explaining herself to people. Um, that's what I wish Mother Beyonce would impart to her because it's like, I get why she's doing it because she is this sweet girl just trying to figure it out and she's not sure if she's misstepping or not. And I don't think she's looking for that validation, but she's finding herself, she's normally doubling down on her choices. She's really apologizing, but she is very sensitive to the criticisms. And I want her to, so bad, I want Chloe to just boss up and be like, fuck with y'all thing you know what i mean like but she's just really nice and sometimes i wish she would just be like i don't give a fuck about none of this it's and not- i think she's going to get to that point though i, I do too i think if we give her to about 25 yeah or 27 when she hits her her saturn return she's gonna mm-hmm. be like, fuck y'all fuck everybody fuck this fuck that yeah I, who i am it is what it is right period poo. and i love it i love to see these young women grappling with what their womanhood looks like i think mm. So for me, obviously I'm a real hardcore millennial, but for me, I grew up with this inheritance of uh, what womanhood is defined as, mm-hmm. as opposed to actually having an opportunity in my early 20s to define my own womanhood. Mm-hmm. I'm now in my 30s, but it wasn't necessarily a thing that I had, you right. know, an opportunity in my early 20s. So to see these young girls, you know, like your, your Ari Lennox's and your Chloe, you know, and your Hallie and, you know, insert young artists here. Yeah. I, I love that. Me too. Me too. We love to see it. I ain't going to give her goes and goofies. I'm going to have to add another uh, part to goes and goofies. Goes, goofies, and in between. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> this would be the in between category where we give people grace. Okay. <laughs> All right, now it's time for Goofies. Uh, this is definitely a Goofy, and I'm about to cut up. So, <laughs> um, I am going to play this clip that my producer sent me on Twitter from... I'm just going to play it. This is the clip. So real quick, I just want to... Um the guys real fast i got these flowers like three days ago and um the person who gave them to me just gave them like this no base no water no flower food just this all i'm really saying is you know although the gesture is very nice and i appreciate it no shade at all because the person who gave them to me gave them from his heart i'm sure or at least i would hope so right but it just seems like a little half-assed you know um bring the vase guys just simply bring the vase Please do, because when you do it like this, these flowers have been dying in my house on the floor. I don't know if you can see, but they're wilting. Like this one, he's so sad. He's this one. Oh, pick your head up. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking him to work because I have a vase at work, and I just remembered today. Really, the flowers have just been wilting away on my living room floor, and 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 you know. It's just nice when you go the extra mile. You know, when you do things like that, you buy flowers, just go the extra mile. It doesn't hurt. I promise. It it probably feels good. You know, if if you think about it, if you really think about it, it probably feels good. And we we all like when things feel good now, don't we? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
not telling you how to live your life, of course, you know, because some women, they don't mind if you just buy them a, a plastic bag full of flowers. They don't, they don't mind. But others mind. Just go the extra mile, please. You know, your mother would be proud. I'm, I trust me on this. She's going to be proud of you. <laughs> All right. So was the clip? Goofy. Ain't no in between. Ain't no goals. Goofy. I saw this clip on Twitter. Okay. And let's let's just go down the line of where this girl fucked. Yeah, yeah, break it down, honey. Like, <laughs> Miss Girl, thank you for informing us that you have never received flowers in your life. Yes, that was my first thing. You have never got flowers a day in your life. Because when you get flowers, you have vases. I got four vases sitting in my kitchen right now. <laughs> Period. Period. Secondly, Miss Girl, it is a dollar at the Dollar Tree to go get a vase vase, however you prefer to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. You could go get that. But let's say you ain't have a dollar. Let's say you ain't have a dollar. Why were the flowers sitting on the floor for three days? Refrigerator. Why are the flowers on the floor for three days? I had to ask myself sense. multiple times. I was like, I was like, did she say on the floor? She said on the floor. She said like more that. than once too, with no shame. Yes. Now you up here trying to be Miss. Like, I'm I'm a high value woman because that's what that bullshit was, right? That's this exactly is what it was. Level up, high value, divine feminine, attract a high value man, bullshit, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's trying to give us, but Miss Girl, what you gave us was a clear indication that you ain't never been nowhere before, right? Yeah. Like, the old folks say, for me in the South, as the old folks say, act like you've been somewhere before, right? Yeah. Like, you got up here and did all this talk about, go the extra mile, it didn't have any flower food. Sick. It's a probably a grocery store bouquet, which means attached to it at the stem beneath the plastic. I noticed because I buy myself flowers all the time. Because I've been somewhere before. Like you, I have multiple vases to choose from should I need one. But you know what? Again, let's say she have a dollar. Why do you put them in the fridge? Or, you know, just a guess. Take a cup, girl. Just take a plastic cup. Do something. Damn. Flowers in it. It ain't that deep. And the, and the um food was in it. So she put over it was she did a TikTok. So she put over there um so she put over there like a word like a word like a line or whatever that said uh, my bad the flowers were in there. Yes they were. They're always in there. <laughs> <laughs> they are literally always fucking there. <laughs> and that's how I know you ain't never got nice shit before. <laughs> I just bought myself some five dollar roses. Five dollar roses. Like he went the extra mile. When he bought the flowers, like, since he bought you flowers, like, I ain't very mean for you to go and make a ticket. I was just like, hey, imagine that poor fella looking at her TikTok. Right, right. You ain't gonna get shit else. (laughs) When I tell you, I was just up here like, no, Miss Girl, this is this did not get what you thought it had gave because, like, all you did was. Show us, like, how much y'all are not prepared for what y'all claim y'all want. And you know what? Because all I'm saying is, like, there is more to be to bringing value as a partner than your aesthetic, mm. than 
you know, going by this script of what it takes to be high value, there's more to it than, which obviously this is a good conversation for it. There's more to it than sexual withholding. Yeah. Like so much more to bringing value to the relationship as a partner than this bullshit. But you own this whole like, well, he didn't take me on a $200 date. And, but girl, why would I take you with $200 a day and you ain't got a dollar for a vase? Like, Miss Girl. <laughs> Wow. I mean, let's talk about it. I just don't understand why you don't already have. Listen, I don't throw my vases away. I, I keep them for that exact reason. When a gentleman brings you flowers, you need to have a vase to put them in. And to your point, I didn't even think that far. I just go buy a vase. Like, it just wasn't it just wasn't that deep. And I feel like she really thought that she was doing something. Like, she thought she ate. She did. It's a whole two minutes. And I'm just like, your mother would be proud. I mean, very condescending. That doesn't give me, you know what would have been very feminine? A young lady getting on TikTok and saying, look at these lovely flowers I got. Look at me putting them in this vase. I just ran to the store to get a vase because they were so beautiful. I didn't want them to look at me putting flower food in it. I can't wait to see how long they last. The guy who got this was super sweet. That is going to make me want to buy a girl flowers again. But you just decided, I'm going to take this gesture and be stank. Yep. I don't like that. Who is raising these girls? Who is raising these girls? Again, they think it's, you know, I go and get this specific body type. I go and get specific clothes. If I put on the costume of a feminine woman, then it means that I'm embodying feminine, you know, value. And it's just like, it's not those things. It's not giving what you thought of that day. And anybody, even the most raggedy of niggas, can see through the bullshit. Like, yeah. like, like, let's be real now. One thing, <laughs> this should be probably my dating advice, but you know what? I'm going to say it now. One thing I know for sure, two things for certain, and one thing for sure, is that men can read who you are. But mm. better or worse, this is speaking specifically to cisgender heteronormative folks, but they can read who you are mm. better or for worse. And like, I say that to say is that like a lot of men who can see a woman who is high value, she may not recognize it. And he knows that she is beneath her station will begin to engage in tactics to manipulate and gaslight her to bring her down to where mm. he actually meet her at. Same thing with a woman who does bring value to a man who is ready to have a someone of value in his life. Like he will do what is necessary to maintain exactly that value. And so, if like you said, if she had gone a whole different route of like, oh, look at me taking care of this gift that someone thought enough of me to give, yeah. I at bare minimum. And be like, it's cool that we went by the Seven Eleven. <laughs> he took me to Applebee's. Right. I like Applebee's, but not on the first date. <laughs> I am saying like a kind gesture, like flowers. You know, I love flowers, so like that's mm-hmm. a. So like the least I can do is say thank you for this. This is how I'm going to care for them. Like every time I receive flowers for from anybody, no matter if they you know somebody platonic or romantic. I always go look, I send them pictures and go look at how I'm caring for these, these flowers. Yeah. Oh, fine. She um, could have did something with this, Danielle, because it, like... Goofy. She thought that she was doing something. And my thing is, any guy who's interested in her now, I think that she thought like, oh, men are going to know that I'm high value when I post this video. They're going to meet me where I tell them I want to be. No, you show people and it's up to them. And I don't say nothing about you, whether they meet you there. But for you to put this out here now, it's like, 
okay, I guess I'll get her some flowers with a vase. Where's Hachi going that different route? Now what you're putting out in the world, now this energy that you're giving is, oh, people buy her flowers and she likes to take care of them so much that she's going to post about them. Not only am I going to get her flowers, I'm going to get her flowers bigger than that. Or I'm going to get her a full, I'm going to get her an arrangement that already comes with a vase. You know what I mean? Like he might pick up on the fact that, oh, she had to buy a vase for herself. Let me make sure she ain't got to do that next. You know what I mean? Like, but you let him do that. That could have been as smooth as this girl. She could have sent him a text and said, thank you. These flowers are beautiful. I went and bought a vase for them. I didn't have one on hand. I went and bought a vase for them. You see them? That's a way to say, next time you buy me flowers, bring a vase. Right. Next- Way to say that without yes that you're giving some solid as advice see that's what happens they ain't got no game girl they ain't got no game <laughs> and that's what we're here for i talked about this in the last two episodes i talked about coming dating questions and how to navigate them some of these questions some of these answers you don't have to say exactly the thing to say the thing so next time he knows just word it real cute like yeah i went to the store and now he's putting that little mental note that's way different than being mean about it or saying damn you ain't give me no vase how am i supposed to put these together you know what i mean it's ways specifically with men there are ways and rarely is it just straight up saying (laughs) unfortunately it is not just straight up saying the thing (laughs) we should clearly communicate we we want to be passive aggressive about and the things that we don't need to clearly communicate we over communicate and like i think that's an issue that a lot of people kind of have to we say it's about picking your battles and it truly is. It's about picking what matters and what's yeah. going to is. There are some things you need to be straight up clear about. Yeah. Like we don't. For instance, we you got somebody here who is like, oh, well, you know, you should have bought a vase. She's clearly communicating that. Yeah. In a more subtle way. Yeah. But this is the same type of person who will go, um, well, we've been dating in their head. They're like, well, we've been dating for a few days and I really like this person. And I'm going to that through sex and instead of having a conversation to say hey i really like you do we really want to do something more serious in this relationship that's when you need to be direct but a lot of times we use sex as a tool to communicate i'm not into sex at all we'll get into that later but like when you use it as a communication tool and as a bargaining chip and then you don't come out with what you desire and you still don't learn that clear communication is what matters. This is why I have a problem with this, but I'm going to be like, I'm going to tell him what I need. Except when it counts, girl. Except when it counts. <laughs> you shaking the table right now. You shaking the table. A lot of women just heard this and just like, but I have sex with him because I want to show him. Mm-mm, you is shaking the table. <laughs> I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. That's goofies this week, guys. Um, let's let's come up with some better ways to communicate the things that we need. Um, and let's not be mean girls. And, you know, even if someone did a gesture that didn't really hit home, maybe, maybe, you know, acts of service was her love language. And, and, and that could have been what she was expressing. I wanted to see the service behind you. You thinking about the fact that, you know, I had to go get the vase or whatever. Maybe he didn't hit her, you know, uh, love language, but there's ways to communicate that. And that's well, not nice to be making TikToks. And yeah. hell, she might have bought them damn flowers herself and just <laughs> wanted to make a statement. That's what I'm convinced of. That's what I believe. Yo. I think she went and bought the damn flowers herself. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, I try to buy myself flowers. Me too. 
Um, but like, y'all don't go making statements about it and being mean. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hmm. So I'm with you, GB. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, guys. That was goes and goofies for this week. All right, guys. Now it's time for the main segment. So very excited about talking about this because it's something that's impacted my personal life as long as as much as any many of you young women. Um, and if you grew up in a church, especially or whether you grew up in church or not, somehow in some way, shape or form, you probably have been impacted by purity culture. So I want to do a quick disclaimer. This episode is not to suggest there's anything wrong with abstaining from sex or with waiting to have sex until you're married. It's the culture that has developed around these ideals that has proven itself to be very harmful to society, but young women in particular. Now, let's jump into this. I wanted to find this for y'all because everybody doesn't know what purity culture means, whether you've been impacted by it or not. Um, According to the Gospel Coalition, I just found this online. Purity culture is a term often used for evangelical, for the evangelical movement that attempts to promote a biblical view of purity. That is from first Thesalonians. Thessalonians. See, that's why we got Danielle on here because I'll be knowing what I'm talking about for real. Um, and so that's basically the Bible verse they reference. Um, it looks like chapter four, verses three through eight. By discouraging dating and promoting virginity before marriage, often through the use of tools such as purity pledges, symbols such as purity rings, and events such as purity balls. So that's the short definition of. Um, purity culture, just discouraging dating and promoting virginity before marriage um, through specific biblical views. Um, I did a little bit of research because I always love to talk about the history and stuff. Um, So while the movement currently is only about 30 years old, dating back to the 1990s, the ideas from purity culture date back to the 1800s, having to do with prostitution and um, social pandemics going on at that time. So the current movement is pretty young at 30, but in theory, this shit been going on for a long time. Okay. <laughs> so Danielle, did I do a good job about the general definitions of purity culture? Just to Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Okay, okay. So let's jump into it now that I've explained what it is. Danielle, what was your first interaction with purity culture? Just you know, as a young person. So I'm going to be honest with you, the first messages I started getting about my body, or the body at least, mm-hmm. around age five or six. So my mother actually had the sex talk with me when I was six years old. It was a very comprehensive, very um, okay, scientific, uh, not like so disconnected and removed, but like she was honest with me in a way I don't think a lot of parents are with their children, particularly at that age. Mm-hmm. Uh, this motivation was not religion per se, but because my mother was a my mother's a sexual abuse survivor, mm. so extremely, you know, um, and it was imperative for her for me to have a good knowledge of not only my body, yeah. so that if something did happen to me, you know, I could tell her instead of thinking like it was normalized about it or whatever. Right. My dad, again, the preacher, was a hoe, um, as all preachers are. And so, (laughs) but because I was a girl child, you know, the the messaging I got, you know, 
from my small childhood to my adulthood uh, was that, you know, boys and all those things. Um, of course, we compulsory heteronormativity. My, my dad just assumed, like, you know, I, I would just like boys by default. Um, and so I uh, got a lot of language and messaging at home about, like, the body not being something to share, but not necessarily under religious reasoning. Mm. Church where I kind of witnessed a lot of sermons and like conversation and conversations around modesty, about how you dress, how you, mm-hmm. the ways in which like women who wore things that are a little shorter or a little tighter, you know, would be discussed by the church mothers, would be discussed by older women in the church, the ways in which we identify them that they and the, the Rahabs and the whores, essentially, um, simply because he's been there to achieve some level of sexual confidence, um, even within church. And so that was kind of like my first navigation with it. And I think the language begins to really shift around saving myself. Mm-hmm. I get to the point where maybe I might be interested in sex. So we start talking about 11, 12, 13. Right, when I'm hormones is coming. <laughs> For me, today. At 13, I was a freshman in high school. Let's get from fifth to seventh grade. So I was a freshman in high school at 13, and I had just started my cycle. So I literally was going through puberty in high school at the same time. Mm. <laughs> Yikes. In high school at the same time. And I, you know, already had, like, developed breasts by the time I was eight. Um, so I began to get a lot of... One thing that I hate that definition doesn't office is the level of shame that goes into creating a tool to enforce it. And mm. so I learned shame about my body extreme early. Yeah. Um, I remember one very distinct instance I had that I had on a halter top at a church event I had gone to. It wasn't low cut. It wasn't like me. It was summer. Mm-hmm. I had on a halter top and I had on pants and I was experimenting I'm like maybe 12, 13. And like, I remember the pastor's wife in the church that I was attending, like she shamed me so much, like because of the size of my body, I've always um, And so like my body size was shamed. The fact that I had, you know, my back out and, you know, some kind of you know, sexual whatever was shamed. My makeup was shamed. Like, so I began to learn shame mm. um, as part of the Let's talk about this for a second. You hit on a lot, a lot of good stuff. But one thing I want to touch on is about the sexual abuse and how we associate that with purity and modesty. Um, I will never forget. So I grew up Kojic. You know, one of the first things is like your dress is being at a certain length. And even then, you would have to put a cloth on your knees. And so the theory was that you don't want to tempt the men in the church and the pastor. And even young, I was a little smart ass, but even young, I'm like, well, he's a pastor. Why would he be wanting to look at my little ashy knees? <laughs> you know, but I, I, I want to take a moment and sit there for a second because right then and there, the onus stops being on women or in my case, young girls and 
Well, no, it is on us. The onus is on us to control that. And it stops being going on men to just not, you know, be gross. <laughs> so full trigger warning um, for those who are listening. I am about to make mention of sexual assault, uh, sexual abuse, uh, manipulation, things involving uh, sexual exploitation. So if you need to take a moment and pause so that you can tempt yourself, Please do so now. Please take care of yourself. Um, with that said, I think it is important to talk about uh, how purity culture is extremely rampant in evangelical churches, um, as is a lot of stories of sexual abuse and sexual harm. Mm-hmm. I experienced my first unwanted sexual contact when I was seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see it like it happened yesterday. Oh my gosh. So like he didn't physically touch me, but like he exposed his genitals to me in a parking lot and like laughed and thought it was Mm. like he was really getting his jollies off of that. And I can't remember like different instances in church. Like you, you know, you gotta wear a certain length and have Mm -hmm. little, you know, prayer cloth. (laughs) Wear your tights. Fucking tight. <laughs> slip, you know, all of the things. Oh, the slip. <laughs> right? Obviously, yeah. this is coming from trauma. <laughs> okay. And so, like, you have to have all those things. But, like, when you mentioned, like, it triggered a memory of, of an incident for me. And you mentioned, like, why would he want to look at my ashy knees? Right. We're at a visiting church. So, we're the, we're the visiting church at... Okay. And... I happen to end up sitting on the front row. I hate sitting on the front row, center's row. I hate sitting up there. Um, but that happened to be the spaces that were there, right? Mm-hmm. And at 15, and so for context, y'all, those of y'all who don't know, I am currently a UK size 42 double H in terms of my breast size. Okay. For US cup um equivalency, that's a US size L. Okay. I got big tits. Me oh, too! Big things have always been me, okay? And so, like, at that point, they weren't as big as they are now, but they were <laughs> And so I almost, as a big titty person, you know any shirt you make and become low cut. Like, you know, you know, yes. Put it on, you got them big old titties, it's going to be low cut. <laughs> and so, Trying to put me in button ups. That ain't going to work. <laughs> I got on a full suit and, you know, undershirt under it. And it's, it's like a little scoop neck, but because of my breast size, it's a mm-hmm. little... And I'll never forget, like, standing on the front row and this man who is at least three times my age, a DJ, three times my age, looking down my shirt, right? Objectifying me. Oh, my gosh. The one causing him to sin, right? I'm the one that's immodest in this situation because I should have been covered up. I should have known that all these things... Mm-hmm. At what point are we going to stop infantilizing men as if they are incapable of controlling their own urges? He made a deliberate choice to look at me. You knew I was a minor. You knew I was a minor. It was no question. Like, first of all, you know, I don't even look 33. So at 15, I certainly didn't look grown. So, like, you knew I was a child, and yet that didn't bother you. You still were looking at me. Right. Uncomfortable, and that's just one of many instances I could think of in church. But like, this is also a church that taught me to feel the shame of that incident, 
versus saying like there needs to be some accountability here and it's not me the child it's not me and my woman body it's a deliberate choice to overtly sexualize me in a way i didn't consent it's a good place to start it's heavy but it matters because as we're talking about the history we have to talk about how this starts and how it starts to inform our dating lives and our future sex lives because there's this shame associated with it. And what are you doing if you're teaching younger girls? It is your 15-year-old fault that his 50-year-old ass was staring at your boobs. What does that do to a young woman growing up? It fucks you up. You know what I mean? And so I'm never of the place to, I don't want women to be ignorant. You know what I mean? I'm not the type that's going to tell you, yes, you can walk in dangerous places wearing short skirts and because it's your body. I'm not a fool and I don't want women to be foolish, okay? That's not what we're here to do. But in places that are supposed to be safe, because it's a church, right? In places that are supposed to be safe, why are you teaching me that something out of control is my fault? Yeah. And that's where it starts for a lot of us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, so when we spend years trying to decouple these teachings with reality, right? To, to your point, like, no, I'm never going to tell, you know, a woman, like, it's your body, you can wear what you want, and, and da, da 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 In theory, yes, absolutely. You should be able to wear what you want and do what you want and have no problems. Yeah. But a friend made a statement to me at the top of me selling my house, no less. And it, it stuck with me. He said, just because you're ready for systemic, you know, structures of oppression and marginalization and harm to change does not mean they change immediately, right? Like, right. we can talk about how these things are harmful and how we need to make changes and all of right. these. Meantime, in between time, we've still got to navigate a world where these systems of harm and oppression and marginalization exist, right? But in the church, what we're not talking about is that that should not be a space where those hierarchies and those harms exist. Yep. And reinforcing it, right? We keep reinforcing it with... We call it, and I'm going to let you get your question in, but I got to go ahead and get this. Go, go preach, Pastor. <laughs> when you say, what does this mean? and How does this impact us in our dating lives as you know we grow older and all of these things? What happens is you have women who find themselves in a place of conflict. Now, I said this before, I'll say it again. You got women who want to be saved and holy and live righteously for God and, you know, have a good relationship to their faith. They also want want to have an orgasm. Yes. And those two things end up in conflict. Yes, they do. Oh, something as natural, something as created by the divine production of your body. Right. Like you are born with the sex drive. You are born with these feelings. You are born with experiencing pleasure through sex. But you're told that to engage in that pleasure is sin. You're told to engage in that way um, is what will lead you into hell, is what will help you lead other people into hell. Mm-hmm. Trying to find the balance between 
can I be a good person and love God and, you know, have this great faith and relationship with God? And can I also have sexual pleasure? And we find a lot of people choosing God over their sexual pleasure because they haven't been taught an experience of God that makes room for both. Let's take a moment right there and pass the offer. And that's <laughs> not girl. <laughs> I mean, you said a mouthful, and that is exactly where we was about to go with this. The, <laughs> the way that, and you kind of touched on this, but I want you to dial back into this. Like, how did this inform, so this happened at 15. How did this inform your, your dating and as you want to get into it, your sex life? At 15, at I'm not sure when you started dating, but like, take, take us through that. So at 15, I'm a junior in high school. Right. I've had crushes on guys, but not actively dated anybody. Mm -hmm. So I graduated high school in 16, basically by technicality, because it was a week before my birthday. I would have been 17 and it been any time later. Um, so I graduated high school at 16. Oh, and I haven't dated. I ended up on a college campus at 17. Um, and can't date because like I'm underage. So I finally, you know, get hit age and I'm paralyzed. I'm paralyzed. I'm okay. scared of what it means to date because dating must mean that I have to have sex and I can't have sex. Mm. I, you know, I can't get unright with God, right? That's the problem. You go out into this world and you start becoming worldly, right? Because mm -hmm. I've left the safe cocoon of church being my only social life, right? Mm-hmm. Church and school and home. That's the, the nucleus of my social life. Okay. But college and you know I'm on campus I'm at I went to Georgia State University so downtown Atlanta like you're not only on college campus but you're in the heart of the city of Atlanta so you get to interact and you know see the world in a whole different right. way like, did you, you stay know, at a dorm I did not I stayed at home right okay. another, another thing right like I stayed at home so you still kind of got your foot in and out the door <laughs> well, I stayed at home because on one hand it was practical it saved money but right. Of course. Like that safe space, like you said, one foot in, one foot out, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually started dating somebody when I was 19 and um, just a few months shy of 20, actually. And, you know, when I turned 20 is when I finally lose my virginity, right? So the, my first boyfriend, um, not my first crush, not somebody, you know, like I've had romantic interactions to this point, but no official relationship. Mm -hmm. I've been to a relationship with at 20, I decide to have sex. Or it's kind of decided for me, right? So I can, it's, it's a nonverbal consent. I think if I had the language then that I do now, okay, I, like, you know, I did not consent to this. I consented to this part of the sexual experience, but not the rest of it. So like, at that point, I consented to like, getting hit, he was eating me out. Like, you know, that's why I said I had kind of had those experiences to that point, right? But I had not had penetration. And so, like, I have penetrated sex with him, and it just kind of goes in this one fluid motion before I can really actually consider what is happening to consent. Um, and unfortunately, I think my story is not unique. I think a lot of us engaged in sex in that way, right? It's not. It's um, not at all. It's not unique. I have heard so many women say that we were, he was giving me head and next thing you know. Well, next thing you know, we're having sex, right? Mm. So I can't enjoy what is happening. Not because I have these hangups about consent. I won't learn about that until later. Yeah. 
was I have broken my promise. I had to, to God, to my mom, to the church, to, to mm. my dad, to myself, to everyone. Mm. I failed. I'm a failure. I'm a whore. Uh. <laughs> Basically going through that level of oh. trauma is really what it is. It's Emotional like, trauma. I can't enjoy this moment, which should be like a special moment. I think a person's first, you know, intimacy should be a special moment. I don't believe in the whole, I gave it my virginity. I, you know, they took my virginity. You grown, you consent, you know, hopefully. Yeah. Like, so this is a- I don't sh- believe in taking a virginity. I, I, I think language is really important. I don't believe in taking a virginity. <laughs> first moment of intimacy, of sexual intimacy. And like, I should be able to like, kind of enjoy it and relish it. I have transitioned into womanhood. <laughs> or I should say, at least I have begun to- experience my own body in that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you know uh, masturbation or you know getting you know getting hit from somebody I'm exploring this way but I can't enjoy it because I am so caught up in all of these feelings of disappointment and guilt and regret and I went back and did it again so I wasn't that <laughs> let's talk about it <laughs> But maybe if I keep trying it, like you know, I like at that point it's right, so I still went right. I've I've already done it, right? So I might as well enjoy it. (laughs) But here's the thing: I started going into the other fatalistic pattern, which is well, now we have to get married because he's not first. So I have to make this work with him because, like, he's my. So we've got to get married and still have this fairy tale love story. And I could be like, well, he's the only man I've ever been with. Soul ties. Right? Soul ties. (laughs) I'm still believing in this concept at that point, right? And so I'm like, we have a soul tie now and we're going to be We're young. We're young. I'm 20. He's 19. Because he's a year younger than me. Um, And like, a child, child. What I want to get is close to what I want now, right? But I don't know that you know what future Danielle is gonna you know want, but in my right. head, I am grappling with and wrestling with the weight of this experience. <sighs> I need to validate and to to consecrate and sanctify my sex by marriage. Because I have been out here engaging in sin and I have now disappointed God, but I can redeem myself. You can fix it. Right. And so funny joke is I call myself with my friends. I am the most inactive, sexually active person that you'll meet. Right. Okay. Like Even with my first, because we were both young and we lived, you know, at home with our parents, mm-hmm. having sex every day on the regular smashing, we were sneaking and freaking. So like every four to six weeks, we was like, well, no, sneaking and freaking. So like, it, that happened and like, I'm still kind of grappling with this, but I'm enjoying, you know, being with my partner. Mm. Without like a comparator, um, I am enjoying what I think is pleasure. Okay. But, I wasn't vocal about what I desired, you know. Um, I didn't want to hurt his feelings, you know, if I didn't enjoy something. Or um, I didn't feel like I could speak up for myself. I couldn't self-advocate for my pleasure. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that, like, maybe those things will come out in the wash if we get married. 
we obviously don't get married. We break up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when I'm like, let me see the time I write. I'm 23. And so I, you know, have sex with two more people. And I quit sex cold turkey because I need to get back right with the Lord. Right. Okay. So I am abstinent for some of it. There are two different things. Abstinence is the idea of practicing the, the abstaining from sex into marriage. Celibacy implies that this is a lifelong vow, right? You not only abstain from sex, you're also abstaining from marriage, right? So we think of it as a vow of celibacy for, um, you know, like priests or people in faith traditions or denominational traditions, I should say, that call for those things. So language- Are you saying people use it wrong? Yes, absolutely. Okay, right? <laughs> that's what I thought you were saying. <laughs> I'm celibate. Are you though? Do you not want to get married? Do you never want to have sex again? Baby, say you're abstinent because language matters, okay? When you're you're spelling, okay? So what you say and what you speak is what you call to you. So for me, I was saying I was celibate when I should have been saying I was abstinent. Okay. I was abstinent from the age of 24 until the age of 30. Okay. I was in a relationship during that time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that wait, that, wait, wait, hold on. Let's <laughs> was this a conversation that you had upon meeting your partner? Like take take us take us through this. Oh, when I met my partner, um this is I met him when I was 17. Okay. And we went to church together. This is how I should have known this was gonna end in place. <laughs> He was a singer, which is just as bad as being a musician. That's a musician. <laughs> the play team is right there in cahoots with, with the musicians. They are. <laughs> but like we met when I was 17. We have a four, a, about four and a half year age difference. And so mm-hmm. I was jailbait at the time. So that didn't happen. Um, but we remained friends. And then like we reconnected. Uh, we, you know, lost touch and then we reconnected when I was like 24. He was turning 28. I remember because he sent out a birthday text. Like he sent out a mass text message to everybody about his birthday. And like, that's how we started talking again. And then like, basically our first date was a road trip to D.C. We were in Atlanta. So it was a road trip to D.C. Now, mind you, this is my friend. So it's not even like it's some random stranger. This is somebody that I knew. Okay. And, you know, we go to D.C. And like, as the old folks say, I'm hot and ass. And so I'm assuming we're going to have sex, but <laughs> boom. And like, okay, cool. You know, maybe we don't smash the first time. But like, you know, we continue talking for a couple months and then he brings up the fact that he actually wants to try to be abstinent. And I was like, huh, I've been doing it for a year. You know, no big deal. I'm assuming you know, this relationship has a very clear, like, you know, end date in terms of the celibacy thing or abstinence thing, because, like, clearly, we will get married within at least, at least the next, you know, year or so, right? Because... It's because you've known him for that long, too. I'm assuming, like, this is going to end in marriage, so it's not... Very linear. It's going to end in marriage. It's going to be fine. Um, all those things. Child! <sighs> My ex ended up using, so mind you, in this time, I'm also unraveling my theological framework about sex. Okay. From being this super like, you know, sex before marriage is a sin and it's going to hell to God loves sex. And I'm not sure that's it. Like these structures are put in place to keep women 
you know, in positions of, of disempowerment, right? It's starting to crack a little bit. Yeah, like this is starting to unpack and like it ain't even what y'all said was supposed to happen. <laughs> so as my theological position is changing, his is not, right? And it becomes less about like I'm I'm waiting until marriage. So like we're in a relationship often on five years, five and a half years. We were together two years the first time, broke up for a bit and then got back together. When my dad passed away, mm. um, he started supporting me. And like I, my dad passed away in January. I went to his birthday party in February. And then like we started talking again and got back together. Mm-hmm. That's how it ended up us getting back together and doing another two and a half years together, right? Um, so we off and on for five and a half years, we've been in this relationship. By the time we get back together the second time, I'm in a whole different theological framework. You're a new woman. Yeah. The first time we're together, I'm writing a book called Closed Legs Do Get Fed. And it's all about navigating celibacy while you're in a relationship. Closed legs do get fed. Oh, that might be the title. (laughs) That's like... (laughs) Neat though, right? You ought to name this episode that title. This... (laughs) And like, because people... There's a there's a positive feat that we, that we don't talk about with purity culture that really will fuck you over when it ends. Okay? Let's talk about it. There's a positive feedback loop that happens. No matter how emotionally abusive my last relationship was, there was so much praise for the fact that we were young adults, marriage, engaging in what appeared to be to other people a healthy relationship. Um, and building this, you know, life and image together or whatever. Um, never mind the fact that he was gaslighting. He was, mm. he was using sex as a weapon, right? Compromise mm. my sexual desires against me. Um, so would you try to engage and he would like throw the Bible at you and tell you go pray? So what would happen is like, we like towards like maybe the last 18 months of our relationship, I would go like, Hey, listen, sex. So I'm clearly communicating. Sex is important to me. Now. Mm-hmm. Like something that I would like to have in this relationship. I am no longer interested in, you know, continuing a romantic relationship where sex is not involved because sex is an important part of emotional connection for me. Right. right? You know, we're clear about who we are, what we want. This is not like me trying to use sex as a tool of communication. I am telling you that it is part of what will make me feel more deeply connected to this relationship, right? Um, and it will become like, well, you knew that I wanted to be celibate and blah, blah, blah. And then he would start trying to make these promises and compromises, like, well, okay, we would set a date for when we were going to have sex, right? And then the day would come and go and we didn't have it. And I'm like, well, we said we were going to do this on this date and like it didn't happen. Then you're gaslighting me like, is it just about the sex and it's all it is? And I'm like, I, it's just y'all, but like if I said it, you wouldn't believe it. So now but, you're getting frustrated. frustrated, right? And I'm, oh, Because if you don't want to do it, then just say that. But as instead, he decides to emotionally manipulate. All right. Just say and, the words. Let's tell the whole truth. That was the only bargaining chip that he had in this relationship. So yes, he's four and a half years older than me, but I, I have a master's degree. Ooh. I have a felony. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, obviously, because I've made concession for it, right? I can get a felony when I start, when I start to date you. <laughs> I don't think that's the beginning or end of your personhood, 
what I am saying is that like I was the breadwinner, and so I'm not only taking care of my life, I'm taking care of yours too. So you know, the only bargaining chip he had, and the only way he could gaslight and manipulate me was the one thing he could control, which was sex. Because obviously consent matters to me. So it's not like I'm just going to take it from you. And yeah. I want to this, obviously. That's the only way I have sex is with enthusiastic consent. Right. And so that was the thing that he used. That was his, that was his fulcrum against me. That it's was, given power. Yeah. Yeah. It's given he power play. Manufactured power. Yep. And church reinforced these ideas for me as something I needed to love him through. I need to missive. It is. It is. And that's why I said that shit is like, it is so nuanced and it's so layered in the ways in which it destroys women's relationship to ourselves, to our sexuality, to our self-advocacy, because we begin to feel like speaking up for ourselves is not being submissive. Speaking up right. Yeah. And you want a man, don't you? That that's the whole ploy in the church. Don't you want a man? You gotta listen to that man. You gotta yeah. be submissive. Right. And in fact, like, okay, you're pushing 30, girl, you gotta go ahead and get married. Now we got a timeline, right? But 30 and worry, right? <laughs> so I <laughs> there are a couple moments I knew I was gonna break up with. Um, we this so we on another sex date, right? We we planned this date that on my <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So on my 30th birthday is when we're going to do it, right? We're, we're yeah. Birthday. And my 30th birthday comes, we're in New Orleans, and it doesn't happen. And <laughs> so I'm confronting him about this, and I'm in tears because, again, I'm gaslit at this point. Like, right. I'm gaslit at this point, and I'm like, this is, this is abusive manipulative. I'm, up, I'm doing everything to fulfill my end of the relationship and to show you that I care and to show you that I'm invested in mm-hmm. like one thing I'm asking for you, you're unwilling to provide, right? And so I'm frustrated and I end up crying. And girl, I'm crying and this nigga laughed at my tears. This nigga laughed at my tears! This nigga Kevin Hart laughed at my pain me. Since like he laughed. Right? What? what did he say? In that moment, I knew. I text my mother after I composed myself, he didn't say anything. I composed myself and I let the evening go. And I remember texting my mama. I said, I'm going to break up with this man. I said, I'm going to end this relationship. And we went on another trip a couple weeks later um, to the beach. And I remember me expressing my frustration again. And he was like, um, well, if we break up, could we still be friends? And I was just like, no. No, no. And... I swear to God, hand to God, this happened. I'm in the water, right? And the current, the tide is a little bit strong. So I drift out further than I want to. I can't. Oh, I can't. But I'm, I'm very cool under pressure and I'm trying not to panic, but I can't find my footing in the water. And he's on the shore on his phone, not paying me any attention. He can swim. He's not paying me any attention. Thank God. For that man who was right next to me and saw me struggling. Oh. And, and like, I was just like, you didn't see me. He was like, I'm so sorry. I was in my phone. Blah, 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 blah. And I knew in that moment, I was like, this motherfucker does not care about you. He doesn't care about you. And so I began, I'm a person who grieves my relationships while I'm in them. So that way. Okay. A lot of women do that though. Yeah. So it took me, so that's July. By the time um, October came, 
the the what hit for me was an older woman friend of mine, and y'all please get you some elder women in your <laughs> yes. Some of them are trash, true enough, but like a lot. Some of them, yes, they be upholding this shit. <laughs> A lot of them really will look out for you and say, baby, baby girl, I made those mistakes. Don't make my mistakes. Here, let me... This let ain't me, that. This ain't what you need. And an older a woman, sister friend of mine was like, this is not the dick because you're not getting that. So it's not... The Period. Money. It's not the money because you provide everything. And why are you martyring yourself for him? And when I could not come up with an answer... I wrote him a breakup letter. It was 4,332 words. I remember to oh. the day. And all about how he got me fucked up. <laughs> oh, I'm mad you know the word count. Listen, because it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever written that the public will never see, right? Okay, I know. That's very intimate, but I'm sure it was great. It's, it's fantastic. I've let other friends read it. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I let him know. I said something to the effect of like, I kept easing my boundaries, hoping mm. to finally engage in a way. And all it did was left me with erased boundaries and hurt feelings, right? But mm-hmm. that's my fault. I own that, right? Yeah. I don't do this anymore. So I break up with him. Y'all, all them words that motherfucker wrote me back, two sentences. Two goddamn sentences, okay? And that's when I learned, never waste your paragraphs on a motherfucker. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> But no, that's like when you text men paragraphs and they respond to. <laughs> Listen, do not text them niggas paragraphs, okay? Where was you at two months ago when I played myself, Danielle? Where were you with this message? That should have been a dating tip. That's the one thing I learned is do not text them niggas paragraphs, okay? Don't waste your time. Do not waste your time. They do not feel about it. Because the thing is, they knew what they're doing to you. Yeah, you spelled it out with 4,300. Some what I was doing before I even sent that to him, right? Yeah. This is like, well, I got caught now. She didn't figure it out. Like, well, you know, that's a, you know, that's an L. You know, basically the way it goes, like they know how they're treating you. They know how they are responding to you. And most times they know they're gaslighting you because they're doing it intentionally, right? Yeah. bad. But what I'm saying is that if I had had an experience of God that saw me as holy simply because I existed and not as something that I had to obtain, I would have valued myself more and not stayed in a relationship where my needs were not being met and thinking that I could love someone to the place of meeting my needs. That is what I resent the most about that particular culture and about that particular indoctrination is that it kept making me feel like I needed to be, like I needed to die all over again like Jesus. I needed to murder myself mm-hmm. for the sins of the person I was engaged with instead of saying, you know what? You're not meeting my needs and I need to go get my needs met. And Wait, you- wait, let's hold it right there for a second because what you're tapping on is this part of submission. And it's like, sometimes these niggas be wrong and I gotta listen to them anyway. Like, why, why, why? And this is one of my questions. Why is the emphasis always on women? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they be wrong. And according to purity culture, if this is what I want, if I want a man so bad, I got to listen to whatever he says and whatever he does. And we just made a full circle here because now we're talking about emotional abuse and manipulation. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's not, as people have probably figured out by now, it's not actually about the sex. <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it's, it's about this idea in this, this, this culture that typically puts women in emotionally abusive or physically or sexually abusive situations. Yeah. It puts us in, it puts us in position to be abused because we're, we're using, <laughs> we're using something so deeply intimate and vulnerable as one's relationship to their spirit and yeah. to their idea of what divinity looks like. Right. Yeah. Experiences of God. We're using those things and people's desire to be in a really good, strong relationship to that. Yeah. Um, and using their desires to also want to fulfill all of these blueprint, you know, checklist things of being married, of having children, of mm-hmm. um, insert thing here. I mean, basically for women, they tell us that's the pinnacle of our women who is to be married and to be partnered. Yeah, because damned if you don't. Damned if you do, right? Yeah. And we're so busy trying to attain those things. They give us these ideas of like what we need to sacrifice for, particularly for black women, right? Is we really kind of get this, I hate to describe it this way, but it's like this buck breaking type of thing. Like they want to break our spirits. They want to break us down um, because, and this is not all, but I shouldn't have to say not all black men, but I know I got to because I don't want y'all in y'all bag. My platform, they know I don't play that not all shit. Say what you want, they will get the smoke because I don't play that. I, don't, I shouldn't have to disqualify my comments because y'all don't understand context. So for one, <laughs> The whole thing is the last bastion of black male for benefit is where they find power in a white supremacist world that will not give it to them. Mm. Black men are so busy trying to find or define masculinity and leadership within the framework of white heteronormative patriarchal structures. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes this great value version of that. And it's all like you don't have any actual real world power just like me because you know we are marginalized we have to, some of us have to walk in a triple consciousness forget a double one as a black yep. black and a woman um being queer you know you have to be black queer and you know gender conscious you have to be if you're disabled yep yep and, you know, and maybe gender conscious. So there are so many consciousnesses you're aware of. And so when we find black men and we call them the white women <laughs> of the race. That was the best article I ever read in my life. And I quote it often. Because it comes to this idea of like, yes, you have a marginalization. However, you tend to exploit where your uh, dominant trait is, where you do not have that intersectional axis of oppression. So for white women, it is their race that they don't have it. And for black men, it is their gender where they do yep. not You exploit that at the expense for those of us who have double, triple, quadruple, multiple axes of oppression. Yep. So um, what I find frustrating is that we're trying to submit to people who really have no idea of what leadership actually is because yep. they make, again, this great value um, market pantry, insert house bread here. <laughs> the giant version. <laughs> Shopper's version, you yes. know. Or the Kroger ran from my, my folks back in Atlanta. And, and, yes. Um, 
you know, you're trying to make this store version of masculinity and you think simply being male and simply maybe bringing in a check or even earning a higher income is sufficient enough to say I'm a leader. And you should I am be- man. Hear me roar. When true submission, true submission really looks like you make me feel safe enough and safety means you do provide for me. Um, it means you do take my needs and my desires and my hopes and my dreams, not only into consideration, but into accountability. Yeah. Room for those things. It means I can trust you with my life. So I don't need to fight you. I don't need to yeah. fight power because I know that you use your power to further good for both of us. Yes power to oppress me so it's not that we have a problem with submission we have a problem with finding things worthy to submit to because if i gotta survive and do it by myself or at least do it so much where it feels like i'm by myself what am i submitting to you for how can you lead us you have no idea and leaders where are we going where are we going where are I we don't going? want to ride or die dying anymore okay because i don't we- want to ride or die we end up dying. Our dreams die. Our hopes die. Our personhood dies. And unfortunately, especially with this being October in Domestic Violence Awareness Month, sometimes we literally die. Right? I, I was wanting to do an episode about that. I'm glad you touched about it. I did not make it for the October deadline, but I did promise a full episode. We will be doing that. It just won't be this month. So I'm sorry, guys. It just I couldn't make it in time for the October deadline. But yes, you're absolutely spot on about that. And a lot of times... Their definition, black man's definition of leadership and manhood is a woman submitting to them. Yeah. No, no, no other context. Yeah. It's just a woman submitting to them. So it's like, to your point, you could be leading us off a cliff. Yeah. But, but I'm supposed to listen because the church told me that when you get a man, you got to listen to him. But what if he's not right? What if he's not right? And I thought, here's, you know, did you see when I had the conversation about like me recognizing that like Stedman was more of an alpha man than like you posted that in the group? Yeah. yeah so yeah, like yeah. conversation about it on Instagram and on my public profile on Facebook in the digital conversation. You know, we've had these conversations, and like the reality is, is like alpha male or a male who is worthy of of submitting to in terms of, of leadership is not necessarily because he makes a dollar amount. And, and it's like, we keep conflating these things because yes. one who can provide. And it's like, what provision is not enough, right? Simply providing, that's the bare minimum. Being able to take- supposed to. Supposed to, right? In the dynamics of patriarchy, if we're going to do patriarchy, we're going to do it all the way, right? I so said like, all the time. Equitable pay. If I'm not equitable access, and I'm going to basically give up so much as a woman giving into marriage, um, because the only thing we're we're gaining from marriage at that point is financial provision. Because when we're honest about the fact that we have to take on more emotional labor and mm-hmm. domestic labor, mm-hmm. all these other yep. trying to personhood, like mm-hmm. we get a raw deal, right? But we right. still want that. Um, when we say this idea of like. I got to listen to a man. A true leader is going to listen to me too. Yes. It means that you, like, if I'm of value, it means that you trust that I can give you 
good counsel and good wisdom, we consult about things. You may take the lead and carry forth the vision, but it should be enough for me to say like, hey, babe, you know, I've been thinking about X, Y, and Z. Or you'll come to me and say, you know, babe, I'm thinking about going here. You know, what should we do with this? What are things that we right. can consider? We're partners. We're partners. They and don't see it that way, though. All partnerships are not equitable, right? right. So when we say partners, talk about 50 50 the only thing 50 50 is you know loose ass niggas want to do is go 50 <laughs> no mr nigga that's not what 50 50 means right like i'm not going to work to work a full-time job to come home pay half the bills like i do 100 percent of the work right I say, this every like, day. I say this all the time i'm not sucking dick and paying bills it's gonna be one or the other baby and i am masterful at one of them no! okay? <laughs> And it don't involve my debit card, okay? And so okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, but the fact that their answer to 50-50 is automatically a financial response tells you everything you need to know. That's- that tells you everything. The fact that their contacts on what providing and what leadership and what submission truly looks like is all wrapped up in finances. Like what? It's just, it's just, it's just so much more. And so this is why I started this with purity culture messes us all up. <laughs> and now that we've gone through, we've peeled this back like an onion with layers. You know, like now that we've gone through this, you see how it impacts not just the women but men too. Y'all got some soul searching and some unpacking to do as well on this because. It's, it's not just that. You do have to provide some sort. If you, like you said, if we're doing patriarchy, let's do patriarchy. So you do have to provide some sort of safety and some sort of safety net for your partner because a woman who is submitting to you is still your partner. Yeah, and I find it like so interesting is that like most women, particularly black women, okay? Because I can only speak to the experience of being a black woman. Right. We are not enculturated to be cared for. That is not our socialization. Yes. Correct. Socialized to work and to work hard and to bring in things and, you know, take care of the household, to hold it down, to always be able to survive. And we're supposed to find honor in that. Yeah. We find honor and we value ourselves and are valued by others by how much we can labor. The hardest thing for me in this season, when I left my corporate job in February of 2021, that I, when I introduced myself to people, I can no longer say, hi, my name is Danielle Thomas. I'm an HR consultant for Insert Company Name here. I didn't realize how much my labor and my ability to labor was part of my identity <gasps> until I left it, right? And so now I'm, I have to sit back and go, who am I? Outside what of am, your titles. Outside of the titles, outside. Even if I don't introduce myself as, hey, I'm D. Danielle Thomas, father of the Christian. If I'm just saying, hey, my name is Danielle, I'm, what am I inserting here, right? How do I define myself now? And I had to go through this whole thing around worthiness and self-worth when I no longer could tie it to labor. When mm-hmm. I could no longer be oh, this boss bitch because I worked this job and I earned six figures. Big fancy company, yep. 
got this big company name behind me and I'm climbing the corporate ladder. What does it mean? The mm. same thing with the same thing with beauty culture. Back to my, my notes about the positive feedback loop. That's the part we don't discuss enough is what happens when your abstinence ends, even if it's by marriage, even if it's by marriage, you followed the, you know, um, protocol and you gotten married, but now everybody knows you've had sex and your claim came and your worthiness and your value and your identity was the fact that you hadn't. And so now who are you? As, as a person have, that's having sex, even if you're, you're doing it the right way, you're leading into something good because I wanted to talk about how this culture, this whole thing of purity culture makes sex an identity. Oh, yeah. And when that identity is no longer, whether you are married or not, what happens? And so I was in a part of the purity. I was a part of Pinky Promise. <laughs> you know, I was a part of, we go, we'll talk about it in a second. <laughs> but I was a part of that movement when I was in college. You know, I wasn't having sex or anything. And, um, you know, just in conversations, it, it just, this is the thing that came about. Just like, oh, well, you know, there's, there's this group of women doing the same thing. Um, and when I got out of college, I was kind of like, fuck that shit. <laughs> because, like, I am a sexual being. Um and, and I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that. I want my body to be touched. I want to touch men's bodies, you know, well, and as long as I'm being safe, what is that to anybody else? And that doesn't make me less of a woman for having sexual experiences. Um, it is really just not nobody's business. Now, I think that if we're going to talk about sex and abstinence and what we're teaching young folks, I would like to talk more about discernment about who you're picking for your partners. But even then, I mean, I know some women who just wanted to get the sex out of the way, you know? So, but if we're going to, if we're going to be teaching things to younger folks, that's where I would have liked things to go. But back to the identity portion, I do find that being a virgin or being celibate, some women put themselves on a pedestal because they think they're better than the rest. Plenty of hoses get married. Hoses get married every day, okay? <laughs> hoses getting married every day. And they're not hoes. I'm just saying that just to be facetious, but they're not hoes because they have sex. Um, but like, my thing is, has anybody actually talked to these women who waited and who never had sex until they got married and talked to them and saw what happened? after this identity is no longer there. Hi guys, this is Jasmine Caress in post-production. Hate to do this to you guys again, but Danielle and I went on for another hour about purity culture. Um, the topics included how we feel that the church has not been doing a good job when it comes to single people. And I feel sometimes actually keeps women single on purpose. How purity culture preachers tend to exploit single black women. We also got into the tea about Danielle's explosive article on the popular purity leader, Heather Lindsay. And I also shared about my time being involved in Heather's Pinky Promise program. Danielle gave me some back 
background about what really happened behind the scenes and what led her to write that article and the backlash that came from it. We also talked about ways to unpack issues that stem from purity culture, and it was just a really great episode. So if you want to hear the full second half of this awesome conversation with Danielle, go right now to patreon.com, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash listen to your single friend. Subscribe to the close friends or best friends tier now to hear the second half of this show. We're going to go ahead and close out this episode, uh, but go ahead and check the rest of it out on Patreon right now. All right, guys, now it's time for the dating tip of the week. As you know, we have a guest host, and so Danielle will let you do the honors. My dating tip is to fuck first, fall in love later. So here's the rationale. Okay. A lot of times we we like to add an assigned feeling to our sexual expression, um, particularly when we are more uh, intimately and emotionally connected to the the person. And so sometimes that can give us rose-tinted glasses about how we're experiencing pleasure. And so we may add pleasure to the sex. Like, you know, there's a tweet going around like, I love you so much, your four inches felt like nine. Don't never love nobody that much. (laughs) Get what you need. And if you go ahead and kind of get sex off the table, out of the way, you can find out if you're sexually compatible. And it doesn't mean like the first instance may be the best sex you've ever had. But you can find out if somebody's teachable. You can find out how they explore and give and receive pleasure. Um, If there are just hard deal breakers in the sexual experience before you get your heart caught up. You can, it's harder to disconnect to somebody that you're emotionally invested in as opposed to someone that you have just sexually engaged in. So, but first, fall in love with All right. That is your daddy tip for the week. We got a letter? We did. We just got a letter. <laughs> we just got a letter. All right, guys, it's time for Down in the DMs. This is a segment where you guys send in your advice letters, questions for dating advice, etc. cetera. Um, if you have a question or you want to send in a letter regarding something you're dealing with in your dating or love life, go ahead and send me an email at listentoyoursinglefriend.com or no, listen to your single friend at gmail.com. Um, and please put down in the DMs in the subject. So this week we have a short question. Uh, Danielle, I usually name my letter writers. Uh, can you come up with a female name? A name for a girl? Jamila. Jamila. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. This letter is from Jamila. All okay. right. It says, hi, how soon is too soon to meet a guy's friends? There's this guy I've been dating on and off for about three months now, and he has recently asked if I wanted to come to brunch with him and his friends. We haven't been dating consistently, so I don't know if this is too soon or not. What do you think? Thank you, Jamila, for your letter. Danielle, go ahead and let her know what to do. <laughs> Girl, go, go to brunch with his friends because, see, y'all have been dating consistently, and maybe you might meet your soulmate in his friends. So <laughs> go ahead, go to brunch. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> But I'm here for it. Go ahead and go to bridge. Like, I mean, because I don't know if this, based on the fact that it has been an inconsistent dating relationship, mm-hmm. I don't 
assign too much intention around him bringing you around his friends. Right. Not in the case of like, I'm seriously digging this girl. I've really been into her. I'm going to put her before the vetting council, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, if you're doing a thing, we're doing a thing, you want to do that thing together? And like, girl, if he's not that serious about you, one of his friends might be. And so you don't owe him any kind of obligations. Oh! So enjoy yourself. Get him to pay for your brunch. <laughs> of course, he better. That's like a given. <laughs> You know, just see what it's about. Like, but also you get to see him in his element with his friend. Yeah. Or if this is something you want to deal with. It's not always his choice. This is everybody's making a choice. Everybody's consenting and you get an opportunity to make a choice too. So take your observation and see how he, who he is and how he is with his friends. Is this something that you want? Because also part of being in romantic partnership is being in a friendship too. Yeah himself a person you can be friends with yeah it's something that you would desire in the way that he treats his friends do you want to be treated that way as well because i'm kind of already iffy about the fact that he is not consistent y'all are kind of dating inconsistently. i treat my friends better than that yeah if something's going on in my life i'll check in and say hey you know what i love you such and such is happening um i just i ain't had time i ain't had the spoons i'm depressed i'm white woman depressed i ain't really had the spoons and so like mm. you know mm-hmm. so kind of inconsistent but he invites you to something random like brunch with his friends like i don't i don't wouldn't take it as like he's being intentional about you but i would take it as an opportunity to just like see how he is if somebody you want to continue to associate with and yeah. see connection with one of his friends yeah I agree with that. I think you made a really good point about not reading into it because I feel like that most women, because it's been inconsistent. Oh, now he about to present me to his friends. So things might be changing pace. And, and I, and we'll, you know, we'll give side to that. It could very much be that's what's happening, but don't go into that situation hoping that this brunch is um, an interview basically, because you need to be basically being observant as well. And just like, do I even like his friends? Because sometimes the man might be cool, but his friends might be shitheads. And it's like, these are the kind of people you hang out with. I don't like the whole, your friends are like a reflection of you or they're who you are. Me and my friends are very different people, but they are still my tribe. Um, But if his tribe is full of shitheads, there's about a 95% chance he's a shithead too. They're different from us, but we take counsel from them. So- yeah. Say, hey, such such is happening, and they give us advice. If they are shitty, they're gonna give shitty advice. Yeah, if a girl's hitting on him at the bar, these are gonna be the difference between him going home with his friends that night and going home with that bitch. So, you know, I think it it, it matters to get to know them. I agree. See how he interacts with his friends. Is he the kind that's always ragging on his friends, or is he the one that people are seeking counsel from? You could see him in this light and just be like, "Wow, he really is the guy that you know I've been getting to know." Um, my concern is about the three months off your oni. Um, I'm all team. I I would hope I'm gonna assume by the way this letter is written, he is the only person you're dating. I believe in roster dating. I believe in dating one uh, more than one person at the same time until you've established exclusivity. Um, and since y'all are not at that point, um, I would hope that you would be dating other people, not his friends, but I would hope that you would be dating uh some other guys just 
because I, I don't really like the whole at three months, we sh- we we do need to be picking up the pace um, mm-hmm. or at least figuring out where do we stand. So ideally, you would have some other guys around that are meeting your needs in other ways. I just don't like the inconsistency. Um, so ideally, I would go on the brunch. Just let it be what it's going to be. Have a good time. Have some mimosas. Do what you do. Yeah. Uh, maybe. It's not a date. It's not a date. It could be. But it, it could be. Okay, but if it's a date and it's okay for him to have his friends, why would it not be okay for her to have her friends? You make good points. All right, I'm going to give you that. You make good points. And then, but see... With each other, not just like with a group of friends. Like, what Yeah, of- you're right. You're right. I don't know, because if she's going to be trying to choose on his friends, now her friend there too. And so now we choosing the friends. Like, That's it's just going to be... A- that's the best cover, not a friend. Can be the cover for her choosing on his. You think girl, you're missing out? This is a play a pimp thing. <laughs> but that's okay. But that's okay. I'm weak. I'm so weak. I do. But you, you, you feel me about the three months week? That to me, the three months on on and off is a little bit too much time. I agree. We, we got to, I'm real big on establishing, even if we just establishing that we are only off dating people. But yeah. like the friend element, it it does bring up a little bit of confusion. Yeah, it does. It does. I agree. Because it's like, why am I meeting your friends? So you got a couple options here. I do. I be telling y'all, I be needing y'all to follow up on these letters because I be wanting to know what happened because I'm nosy. Um, Jamila, follow up with us and let us know what you decided to do. Let us know how the brunch went. <laughs> I need to know what you do. And tell us what his friends look like, too. Is he the cutest one in the bunch? Let us know. Right. <laughs> we need to know. All right. Thank you so much for your letter. All right. Now it's time for trivia. This is my favorite segment in the whole show because I love trivia and I love games, obviously. <laughs> um, so, Danielle, you cannot answer this question. This will be answered on next week's episode. Kind of how I had you answer at the top of the show. So think the answer in your brain. Anywhere from 50% to 80% of people who use online dating apps lie about themselves on their profile. 40% of men have admitted to lying about their blank. Is it A, relationship status, B, their height, C, their age, or D, their jobs? You'll have to find out the answer on next week's episode. All right, guys, we have reached the end of this episode. Danielle, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to talk about this with me. We had a lot of area to explore and you just did it so gracefully and eloquently. And like I said, I've been standing since the top of the episode because I just knew this was going to be good. And I'm so excited uh, to have been able to explore this topic with you. I am so glad to be here and that you had me. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. Go ahead and shout out your platforms. If people are listening and they're like, I want to be in the congregation, I want to, I want to I want to read the articles, where can they hit you up at? You can find me on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, and 
Twitter at UnfitChristian. You can find my official website, which is unfitchristian.com. I'm also on Patreon, but y'all need to subscribe to listen to your single friends first. Yes, you better. <laughs> I'm at patreon.com slash Perfect Christian, um, where I also offer content in that way. Um, I too offer pretty reasonable subscription rates. So if you want to get more of me in that way, but I offer a lot for free. So check out the blog at unfitchristian.com. Follow me on media. I do post things on all of them and they're not all the same. So you want to follow me on all of them. Yes. Um, and I also have a podcast, but I have recorded new episodes, but Gospel for the culture. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yep, I listened to it too. <laughs> um, and you know, just kind of check check me around. If you follow me on social media, you can keep up with me best. So, um, so excited to welcome so many of you into the fold. If you want to join the congregation, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash unfit Christian. But if you just search unfit Christian congregation, we should pop up. Yep. We membership every few months uh, so that we can kind of maintain all of our new goal on. Um, there's also unfitchurch.com, which is more of an open approval for a digital community, but we get really popular on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, come join us in the Facebook community. Um, other than that, like, you know, check for me for future episodes because you never know when Jazz might invite me back. So I know we it was a couple of things. I know they're gonna be writing in, like, oh, we need to talk about this and that. Certain things we did not get to explore because we was already at the long episode mark, but they love long episodes, so they're not gonna care. Um, definitely, definitely check out Danielle. Like, as you can see, this was just a small teaser of you know her knowledge about all this kind of stuff. If you're struggling with um, you know, atheism or Christianity or whatever the case may be. I really, really enjoy the congregation because I just think it's such a good group, no matter where you fall on the spectrum. If you're trying to learn and be educated um, on what some, or just unpack some of your thoughts, it's just a really good place. I'm not going to lie, Danielle, I was gatekeeping the community for a while, but my <laughs> friends started finding their community and I'm like dang so like I would write stuff and one of my good friends she listened to the show she posted and I text her like dang you found my group it was my safe space but <laughs> we want to spread the joy that is the congregation because it really has helped me a lot um and so I am just so 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 glad uh you were able to come on this episode we definitely will have you back to do other stuff you guys please check out Danielle on all her platforms, all her writings, all her greatness. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, and review the show. I got no new reviews in a couple weeks and I don't like that. <laughs> review my show, please, on Apple. Review. Please review. Apple Podcasts. Yes, I think you can review on Google Podcasts too, but definitely Apple Podcasts. Please review. Um, Make sure to share your epi share this episode with your friends, your family, people who are pure or people who are not pure. <laughs> and make sure to check me out on my new Patreon. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Danielle, for joining the episode. Hey.